Hello and welcome to another Manchester United podcast. I'm Helen Evans and I'm joined by my co-host David May. How are we Maisie? I'm good, all good, you? Good, thank you. Simon's not here today? No, yeah, so we might be able to get a word in. So we can call him Simon as much as we want, rather than Sam? (laughs) You're horrible. He'll be missed. How are you Maisie anyway? What have you been up to? Uh, Well this weekend, or Friday, was my 10th year raising money for... um, Cancer research, a little bit of Christie's and uh, the Roycastle Lung Foundation. Mm-hmm. So it was good. It was so really good. You had good your day. golf day. Ten years. That's incredible. What Ten actually years. was the inspiration for you organising it, the first one? Uh, well, my grandma died of cancer, and uh, one of my best mates, or probably my best mate, his his mum had breast cancer. So. Um, it touched us both really, and we were just chatting about it. Obviously, ten year ago, we said, "Why don't we do a golf day?" We decided to do it just for, just for the Christies because it covers a hell of a lot of bases. And yeah, ten years down the line, one hundred twenty-five grand raised. And, uh, That's brilliant. A good day, really good day. Good. How much did you actually raise on this on one? On the day, we were raised. I think it's fifteen thousand and sixty-four pounds to be precise. Brilliant. So yeah, and in today's obviously today's um, climate, I think it was a pretty good effort. So yeah, delighted definitely. with it. Yeah, it was. It was good. Good, good work. I saw a little video of you uh, lighting a firework, and somebody yeah. scaring you. That video was doing the rounds. Yeah, yeah. My mate John, he's he's a lad whose mother had breast cancer. The way it worked was I was I was running around trying to buy some fireworks or a firework just to let off for the start of the start of the day because everybody's on different tees so nobody really knows when to start so normally it's a a one o'clock shotgun start but obviously I've not got a shotgun to hand so I thought I'd use a firework oh there's the beer machine a firework during the day which nobody's seen that's a great idea I know Um, (laughs) yeah I went off with a bang straight away which was good it was absolutely fantastic can't thank enough the, the sponsors the great North Pie Helen You've had them. They are very good. They are amazing. Matt Darcy, they've, they've sponsored the event for the second year. Chan and Aaron played. Chan has never, ever played golf in his whole life. He's had one lesson and it was absolutely horrendous. I actually thought you were going to say he was absolutely no. amazing. <laughs> no, it was absolutely horrendous. And I'm not quite sure. I think Aaron, his son, had two. He's had two lessons and I don't think he was much better. But... <laughs> Obviously, we're doing this now on the Monday of after the after the Friday, but I'm sure people will see it tonight on the group chat. Plenty of laughs with that. Good work. Uh, on today's podcast, yes. we have another goalkeeper. There's something about goalkeeper podcasts that all three of us can't be together. I know. Because it was just you and I. Well, Alex Bruce stepped in for the Peter Schmeichel one. I wasn't around for the Lee Grant one. Sam's not here today for Roy Carroll. I don't know. What's going on? So next time we get a goalkeeper, we all have to be together. <laughs> but do you know Roy Carroll for a start? I do, yeah. I think Roy came in, I think it's about 2000, 2001, after we've had maybe seven or eight goalkeepers. I think after Big Pete left, Bozo came in, uh, Massimo came in, a couple of young young kids who was there, uh, Nick Culkin, Paul Rachuka, uh Ricardo came in. And then Roy came in, so there was a there's a fair few. Bates came in, so there's a fair mm-hmm. few, because that void never ever really got got filled, and it was a massive massive void for uh, for anybody coming in. So why do you think that was? Well, Schmackel was just the best. Yeah. That was it. You know, you you're trying to replace 
probably Manchester United and probably the Premier League's best goalkeeper ever. So it's always going to be tough. And obviously it took so many goalkeepers, eventually probably to, to the best goalkeeper, second best goalkeeper in Van der Sar mm-hmm. to take that mantle. So you must have played in front of quite a few then? Yeah, I think. I think in total maybe about 12, I think. There's a little... Yeah, yeah, it's actually a good good quiz. How many goalkeepers from Schmeichel to Van der Sar? Mm-hmm. I think there's about 13, 12, 13, 14, something like that. It's quite a few. Yeah, it's quite a lot. Well, shall we catch up with Roy Carroll, my fellow Northern Irishman? Yes. Let's do it. You might be able to interpret it for us. Interpret it? Interpret it. Interpret it. <laughs> has to stay in. <laughs> How are you doing? What about you, Sam? All right, Maisie. How are you, mate? Get on. Did you Maisie, have a good I golf think you day? should do the whole podcast in that accent. Aye, get on. Yeah, it was good, mate. Really good. Where are you now, Roy? In Fermanagh. Fermanagh. Do you know where that is, Maisie? Is that County Fermanagh? Good man, yeah. That's the one. So he knows. He knows. Fell on he knows his stuff, doesn't he? I'm not sure if you're aware, but you were nominated by Alan Smith. Were you aware of that? No, I, I was told there uh, when someone got in contact with me. He said that you're going to have some good stories, so... We thought, right, let's get Roy on. I don't know. I don't know about that, but (laughs) I know Alan Smith's from from my Notts County days as well, Manchester United. What a great lad he is. Yeah. I don't know what he's been doing the last couple of years since I've last seen him. He's out in America. You should have kept that friendship. Got yourself a few trips out there. No, I'm okay. I'm back in Northern (laughs) Ireland. I'm enjoying enjoying the lovely weather in Northern Ireland, so it's been nice. (laughs) (laughs) We were doing a little bit of research beforehand, and Maisie's going to tell us where you're you're from. Tamla. That's where he was born. A wee it. village. Tamla. That's right. A wee, a, village. A, wee village. <laughs> a wee village. Five miles, is it? Something like that? Is that what's the car? No, 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 Mezzi. I, I live outside Five Mile Town now, uh, just in County Tyrone. Now, I, I was brought up in Tamla, just three miles outside Ellisgillen. So you got all that. Is there actually a town called Five Miles Town? <laughs> yeah. Not you Five Miles Town, just Five Mile Town. Five Mile Town. That's mad, isn't it? <laughs> Mezzy, you know why it's called that? I actually want to know. I don't even know. Oh, I presume it's five miles outside of a town. Every town around it, it's five miles from it. Wow. Three towns, four go. towns outside it's five miles. I, I, only found that out, that. I only found that out the other day, you see. So no way, I'm learning did new you? things every day, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Oh, brilliant. So you two... <laughs> yeah. Don't just class. learn about football on this podcast. <laughs> Um, you two actually know each other um, from your United days. Have you seen each other since that? I haven't seen Mersey since uh, no since my new days. I think Mersey, isn't it? No, uh, no, I don't think we have. Uh, no, no. It's been a, it's been a while, but time has flew by since the last time was at uh, at Manchester United in two thousand and five mm-hmm. at FA Cup final uh, against That's Arsenal. True. So it was a it was a, a long time, Mersey. But you're looking well, mate. You're doing well. Thanks, you, well, yeah. I heard you were over in Northern Ireland playing golf, so I heard you, you know, a bad golf player. So next time you're over, give me a shout and have a wee game. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. There we go. Roy didn't get the invite, obviously, to Keith's... I did, but I had to get my van service, so I, I couldn't go. <laughs> Good excuse. Right, Roy, let's go back to the start. Obviously, as you said, grew up in Tamla. What was your childhood like? Happy childhood, lots of football. Tell us what it entailed. Yeah, like I said before, I was from a small village called Tamla and there was only about 70 houses in it, so and one shop. So it was a very small village and everybody were very close. We were very close together as a close units and uh, we were out playing football most of the time and playing different sports like rugby, cricket, you name it. Uh, 
I played every single sport you can at, at school and really enjoyed it. And uh, even when I was younger, I was working on a farm. I used to work down the, down the road in the farm as well. So I was a farmer down in County Fermanagh back in the days. But it was a great, I uh, enjoyed my life growing up when I was a young lad. But my dream was always to become a professional footballer. And, uh, and especially in them days back in the 90s, it was very difficult for young players from County Fermanagh to, to get spotted by people from Belfast because not many scouts would come past Lisburn to come down and watch us. So it was very difficult to be a professional football from this part of the world. But uh, mm. apart from growing up, it was uh, a great lifestyle. I had uh, three, my three brothers and my sister. So I had a big family as well, and uh, my brothers played football as well. So uh, it was a it was a sports family, yeah. So it was, and uh, my sister, she was she was an excellent um, uh, cross country uh, runner. I think it just came from my father. My father was a he was a great goalkeeper as well when he was uh, playing back in England when he was living in England. So uh, just that's where I got my go and watch my dad, and just always wanted to be a goalkeeper, watching him and watching big Pat Jennings when I was a young lad. Mm-hmm. Who did your dad play for? My dad was uh, my dad was at Notts County when he was young, uh, as a young lad, and he, then he moved. Then he moved away. Then he ended up in Northern Ireland back in the back in the I think it was the early seventies when he moved over. So uh, he hasn't been home since because he loves this part of the world. He's just so peaceful. He loves it. No, so your dad's actually from England. Didn't yeah, my dad's that. English. Yeah, my mm-hmm. dad's English, and uh, he's been over over here since the early seventies. So. Uh, he he loves it, and uh, he's he's um, came and watched me a few times. He doesn't watch me that much, but uh, when I used to play, he used to watch me quite a bit uh, mm-hmm. back in Hull City. He used to come over quite a bit at Hull, but then he uh, when I was traveling so many times, it's, it was very difficult to keep up in touch with me because I'm moving all over the place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> how, how was that, right? An English, obviously, dad being English, living in Northern Ireland, obviously with all the troubles in the seventies. Was that a problem? Or? I did, amazingly, the troubles was bad back in the day. You know what I mean? It was bad, and of course, my dad uh, came over when he was in the army. Like, so it was it was one of those situations. Like, you have to watch your back. You know what I mean? But yeah. we grew up. We grew up with it. And uh, the thing with me, uh, I look back now and say, "Geez, I don't know how my mom could uh, could look after all her, uh, all my brothers and my sister." And uh, especially when you used to go out and all this problems happened, there's a bomb went off there, someone got shot there, you know what I mean? It was, yeah. but we, we didn't notice that, Maisie. We were brought up in it, you know what I mean? So we never really seen, we seen it happening. We seen it happening. It wasn't like a normal life. Uh, you just thought that's the way life was, you know what I mean? It was difficult. Uh, but when I moved back to Northern Ireland, I remember when my son was in in uh, college in Omer and uh, there was a bomb scare in Omer. So it, it really really opened my eyes, you know what I mean? Especially when my kids are living over here. And mm. uh, I don't know how my mum, no wonder my mum was so nervous back in the day, you know what I mean? Trying to look after us all. Have you always wanted to be, you say about your dad being a goalkeeper. What about your brothers? Where's, where are you in the pecking order? I'm, uh, I've got an older sister. I had a sister, but she passed away when I was very young. So I would have had two sisters, but my, my older sister and my older brother, and then it's me and two younger brothers. But my my older brother, he was a really good centre half. He was a really good player, and uh, I think he could have made it quite le- easily. Messi, he was really right. good at centre half, very strong. He wanted a couple. He wanted a trial at Arsenal. I think he had the opportunity to stay, but he got home. He, I think he wanted to move back home. You know what I mean? So yeah, it was hard for him, uh, especially leaving uh, a small village, going over to London, which was a, a massive place for a, uh, a young lad from uh, Tamla. 
But uh, my, my other brother, he still plays. He's 33, 34. You know, don't, don't quote me on that leg, but he's about 34. <laughs> in his 30s. 33. How do you not know how old your brother is? <laughs> you mean, I, don't even, I, I don't even know how old I am. I just forget numbers. Thank you for, are you 42? <laughs> I'm 42, 43 at the end of the month. Hey, I can't wait for it. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> it's only a number. Uh, that's when you get old. You, you just say it's only a number. But... Uh, I, I just I was playing outfield mercy when I was younger, you see, because I was too small. Uh, I was right. in and out of goals because when then keeper got injured, I would have went in. And then uh, I just started playing in goals then for, uh, for quite a while when I was 14 because I started growing really tall. Mm-hmm. And that's when I took the goalkeeping side of it really serious. So I was basically a striker until I basically was 14 years old. And uh, the opportunity for me was to play. And I, w- I was watching my dad play football. He was playing for Man and Western. So I was watching my dad play football. I'm watching big Ch- Pat Jennings, who was an unbelievable yeah. goalkeeper. And I've, I've been lucky. I've met big Pat so many times. And he's a gentleman, like, and, and that's what I love playing in goals. I just love it. I know a lot of people says, why do you want to be a goalkeeper? Because you don't get the limelight. But for me, it's just because I just at a young age, you just love diving around the pitch and making saves. <laughs> and then when you get older, that's when the that's when people start saying, "Oh, you should have done better there. You should have done that." But <laughs> Mez, you know me anyhow. I'm a bit mad in the head, as they all say. Goalkeepers are mad in the head. Right. You know what I mean? I was so, just going to say that. Yeah. Well, not normally a lot. A lot of the people we've had on the podcast generally start out as a centre centre forward, then a midfield, then a centre half, left back, yeah. and obviously um, be back to goalkeepers again. I think you're the how many have you had on? The third goalkeeper? Third goalkeeper, yeah. Third goalkeeper. We've had Big Pete and Lee Grant. I think at this day and age as well, I think it, it helps now because this modern day goalkeeping situation where everybody wants to play out from the back and have good keepers with good feet passing the ball out with the left foot and right foot. Mm. I tell you the truth, I still couldn't kick my ball, uh, with the ball, uh, with my right foot when I used to play in goals. It was just one of those situations <laughs> when you're younger, you just get the ball and boot it up the pitch as far as you can. But Football's changed so much for goalkeepers and with what I'm trying to do in this country, trying to help these young keepers, it's a very, very difficult job to get these young keepers uh, agile and uh, playing with both feet. And I know how much how hard it is to become a goalkeeper this day and age now. Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that where you're up to now, Roy, just over there? Well, I'm, uh, I've uh, opened my goalkeeping school now for over a year. It's been difficult with this coronavirus. It's been very hard for me, but uh, I've uh, started doing one-on-one sessions. That's just finished now. I've been doing that for the last three three months and it went really well. I had a lot of good young keepers came on it. I'm doing keepers from nine years old to 16 years old and uh, I've reopened my, hopefully reopened my uh, group sessions now. I've got four different areas in Northern Ireland, which I'm going to open now in the uh, middle of this month and hopefully the coronavirus will stay away and just be safety and uh, keep an eye on the kids and keep working them because mm-hmm. I just want to give something back to this country because Northern Ireland give a lot of uh, give me a lot of help to get across the water. So did my first club, Balamalad, who brought me in at 16 years old, playing against men. And that's where I got the move from playing for Balamalad when I was 16. I got a move to Belfast. That probably felt like you were going across the water. It's, it's, it's quite a big deal, isn't it, when you're from a really small town and going... Into the city? Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I played what it was, Helen. I played a, I played a game against Dondella in the, the old B division. Uh, I don't know if you remember. You're, you're too young yes, to remember the old no, B division. Do you remember? I, I remember my brother playing on it. Uh, so I played in that B division, and uh, of course they were traveling all around Northern Ireland. And uh, Mezzi will laugh at me here because I left five goals in, and after the game, the guy who scored the hat trick, Stephen Fettis, Alan Fettis's brother came up to me and said, "Do you want to, would you like to go for a trial? And I just laughed at him because like, I thought he was taking the mickey out of me because I left five goals in. But 
that's the story. A lot of kids let, let goals in, but it's the attitude and yeah, sure. uh, what you do during the game uh, when you do make mistakes and where you bounce back. And, and that's what I was trying to say to kids because I've made a lot of mistakes in my career in football and uh, even outside football, but I'm here to help these young kids to understand, look, go and look on YouTube and see the mistakes I've made. But at uh, the end of the day, um, it's like a water off a duck's back. You have to keep going. And uh, mm-hmm. I sat on the bench in 2016, nearly in tears, because I never thought I would have been sitting in a major tournament, sitting on the bench uh, with my country, Northern Ireland, which was a, a pleasure to play, uh, to be involved in. Don't. I haven't been emotional in a while. Stuff like that makes me emotional. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mercy, what's happening, lads? It's been a while <laughs> since I've welled up. See, that's it again. Uh, right, just before... Go on, go on. Sorry, now. no, go, go, go. No, I was just going to say, right, before we actually get into everything about that, in 2001, you received the Red Cross Humanitarian Award for kindness to a young kid with uh, leukemia. Yeah, the young man from, young lad from Balamali, he's grown, he's grown now. He's, I think he's a lot bigger than me, Mezzi. Last time I saw him about three years ago, four years ago, he was going through a bad time in his life. And I was at Manchester United at the time. And, um, I, I, I said to his parents, let's pick him over to Old Trafford and uh, Carrington. And he came in training one day and uh, he loved it. He loved every minute of it. Uh, but I hope his, hope his dad doesn't mind me saying this. Like, but uh, when I spoke to his dad, when he came back from Greece, he said, Roy, he's wearing a top and he couldn't take the top off because he's wearing the Leeds top. So he's Ooh. a Leeds fan. So, uh, But he, he had a photograph of David Beckham and myself and he was so... He was so happy. He was so proud of everybody at uh, Carrington and, the, and the, the coaching staff and the players. And he thanked me. I, I don't think he's stopped thanking me ever since then. And that was Aww. quite a while ago. So it was it was fantastic to see his wee face on him that day coming into Carrington. And yeah, he's pulled through and he's, he's doing really well now. So Great fantastic. Stuff. What's he called? It's amazing. Yeah, uh, it's Adam Kirkpatrick. Ah, happy days. He'll be absolutely buzzing. Hopefully he's listening. He will be listening, even though he's a Leeds fan. Oh, yeah. Forgot about that. <laughs> I think he could have changed now, hopefully, fingers crossed. Roy, when you eventually did make the move to England, tell us about what happened. Well, once I moved, when I spoke to Stephen Fettis, uh, he was a, he was scouting for Hull City at the time, and he said to me, would you like to go for a trial? And uh, that was it. I just said, yes, I would love to go. Uh, Balamar had let me go over for a week. I was over there for a week, and I remember clearly, because my mum had me a big suitcase, and it was like... Uh, she was looking after me. She was just waving me off like at the airport. So uh, it was a scary mo- moment for me to move over to England, especially leaving, like I said before, like from Tamla to a, a, big, a big city in Hull. And uh, to be fair, it was quite good. Everybody made me feel welcome. But it took a while to get used to it. And not too many people know this, but I broke my finger on the first day of training. And I thought that my, ch- my chance was gone. And uh, it was uh, a nervous moment. And about a month later, I got a phone call and said, uh, we'd like to bring you back over. Uh, we're going to give you an MDES. It was called the YTS. Yeah. And uh, they, they gave me a two-year contract. So it was amazing, amazing feeling. But uh, like I said before, it was, I think the first three months was very difficult for me. Uh, the only thing I could think of was when you're a young lad, you can come over back for Christmas and New Year because they're, they're, the academy closed down for Christmas and New Year. But then uh, I think, I don't know if it's lucky for me or not, Like, but I, I got in the first team at Hull City very, very young. Uh, I think it was four, three months down the line. Uh, two months down the line, I was in the first team and I was sitting on the bench for, uh, I think we was sitting on the bench on Boxing Day. So I couldn't get home. And I remember sitting in my digs. Um, my digs lady was away of her family for Christmas and uh, she showed me how to, she gave me a Christmas microwave dinner. And I had to ring my mum up on Christmas Day to ask her how to turn the microwave on. 
And how old offense. were you then? I just, I just turned six, uh, just turned 17, uh, just turned 17. Oh, that's and, so and my mum done everything for me. A microwave meal for Christmas. My mum my oh. done everything. She says, Roy, you press on and then turn it around the two, and there you go. And it was easy. <laughs> so uh, I've been living on microwave dinners for the last 30 odd years. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it was some experience. You went on to spend two very happy years at Hull, 50 appearances you made. Yeah, I uh, made my debut uh, against Swindon. I uh, really enjoyed it. I was nervous, so nervous to uh, make my debut away against Swindon. I got to know that I was playing on a Thursday, I think it was, and we were travelling down on a Friday and played the game on Saturday. And then uh, half-time, it was nil-nil. I thought, oh, gee, this is easy. And uh, after 90 minutes, came in the change room, we lost 3-0. So I would never do that again. <laughs> I would never do that again. So uh, I always say that everybody, uh, you have to play to the final whistle. Now, don't. Don't think any game's easy. And that's the, that was the thing when I had to learn the hard way because we let three goals in. And I think the first goal was, I remember it, I came out inside the 18-yard box and there was nowhere near the strike and he just chipped it over me. So I seen I was flying everywhere. My debut was against Swindon. Was it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. 1980, 89, 88, 89, mine. Yours was, what was yours then? Mine would have been 96. 96. Yeah. I'm a little bit, a little bit older, younger than you, Mersey. A little tiny bit, yeah. haven't I? Yeah, just uh, eight years. Yeah. yeah. I've, I've just brought the 50 barrier, mate. Even though I don't look it, obviously. You look young. Happy birthday, by the way, mate. When was it? June. So seven years really is our part. Um, so no, it's not. It's not. It's not. It's six and uh, eleven months. Oh yeah. Come on, Helen. Um, Roy, you spent two years at Hull, and then you made the move to Wigan, and that was a club record fee. Is that right? Yeah, uh, Hull City at the time they they bought a lot of players up for sale because they were in financial problems at Hull City at the time, and they bought all the players up for sale, and there was a few teams interested in me before, and. Uh, I knew, I knew Sunderland and a few other teams were after me and Wigan was the only team who came in with the money and uh, ended up moving to Wigan in 1999 it was so uh, can you remember the fee Roy what was the fee uh, the fee was three. I think it was 350,000 back in the day then yeah sorry Helen of told lies there it was 97 sorry I left to go to go to mm-hmm. Wigan sorry That's my right, fault right, but uh, it was 350 so I was there um, Wigan paid a lot of money time. for me back into it was a lot of money them days in League Two. But Dave Whelan, he was putting a lot of money into the team yeah. and uh, he wanted to get the team promoted and uh, it, 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 it worked for him because he did get in the Premier League. Uh, and at the moment, things are not going quite well at Wigan. But uh, back in the day, it took, took quite a while to get out of the League Two. It's a difficult league to get out of. Man City was there, a lot of big yeah. teams down in that league mm-hmm. at the time. Man, I remember playing Man City in the playoffs. Uh, at, at, um, at Man City and uh, we, we drew one all against him and then big Sean Gota scored a handball I think it was the first goal uh, scored a handball and they caught, they went through like so uh, it was one of those situations uh, it was disappointing to lose the game Robbed. but uh, for a small club like Wigan uh, fighting against Man City back in them days it was brilliant mm-hmm. did, you, did you feel any pressure Roy being like the record signing and paying that, all that money for you I don't. I don't. I don't think it's pressure. I think it's more nerves. Uh, you know what I mean. But I mm. learned to dealt with my nerves. You know what I mean. Pressure. I love playing football. Uh, yeah. I think. I think other people try and put pressure on you. And uh, and if you if you if you read the press and you watch TV, it will definitely put you down. Like you know what I mean. But I, I don't try and say it's pressure. It's more. If I think about it, it's I probably get more a little bit more nervous uh, in the wrong way. So I have to 
remember playing the FA Cup final for Manchester United. I was nervous, but then I, I controlled it and mm. uh, went out in the pitch and it was a completely different story. Just focus on the game. And that's what that's that's where it was, and that's what I learned from playing games uh, by focusing that nerves in the right way. Um, you you had a great time at Wigan. It did take you a few months to make your debut, but you did go on and made, make an incredible run when you were there and you were voted best goalkeeper in the second division. That was the 99-2000 season. Yeah, it took me a, a, quite a while. I had Lee Butler, what a great guy he was. Uh, a great guy, great goalkeeper. And he was playing really well. And and uh, my debut for Wigan was against Watford away. And uh, and that was like, I think it was three or four months into the new season, I think it was. Uh, but I uh, enjoyed it. enjoyed playing at Wigan. The fans were brilliant to me and... Uh, Dave Whalen was excellent. Coaches was good. We had quite a few coaches at my time at Wigan. Uh, uh, Steve Bruce was there. Uh, John Dean. You had a quite a few other coaches, uh, managers there. So we had good name managers at the time. Roberto Martinez was one of the players who used to. He, he's, he's the manager of uh, Belgium now. So uh, he's a great player. Um, played along with him. Played with Michael O'Neill, who was the Northern Ireland oh, manager. Right, so. No what a great, what a good player Michael was in midfield. Mm-hmm. Uh, he could pass the ball. He was good, uh, but then he moved back up to Scotland. So Wigan had good, you know, good players coming through, and uh, it was then he moved into the the new stadium. Uh, Dave Whelan opened the new stadium, and that that's when I we we end up playing Manchester United and uh, opening opening the stadium, and and that's when the, the story came through when I spoke to Sir Alex. Uh, when Did I you play in that United. game? I played the first half. half. I, had these, I had these dodgy sideburns the whole way down to my chin. So it was you. You, you put me out for about three months. I only played the first half. When did you? I know. I came off. I went up. I went up for a corner. Yeah. And the, and the daft goalkeeper come charging out for a cross, <laughs> and I went up for the cross, and you landed on my knee, and I didn't have uh, medial uh, medial oh, ligaments. Mate. Cheers, pal. So no it was way. you. It wasn't me, mate. That was it. First half. Straight up. Straight up. First half. Yeah. Yeah, I just heard the crunch. No way. Yeah, do you know when you hear the crunch of your tendons uh, going? Uh, yeah, yeah. So I can't remember that. Mezzy apologised, mate. I didn't even well, know that. Well, this is a conversation I didn't expect to happen. <laughs> Kimmy, I, I was at Old Trafford. Listen, Mezzy was saying, never even said anything. <laughs> never even said anything. <laughs> Kimmy, I, I met... Um, how long were you out for with that? How long was that? I, I was, it was a few months, yeah. Yeah. Jesus. And I was in your friendly match. I know, I know. But I remember it opening the uh, opening the, the stadium. That's well, do you know I what? Answer. You didn't hold that much of a grudge because you never found out which keeper it was. No, no, but I know it was a goalkeeper because he landed <laughs> on me. The, right, the well, we need long. to find the footage. We'll find the footage, Roy. <laughs> be, on the, be on the MUTV because they have yeah, it. I'm sure it will. That's why. Oh that's my goodness, I was that is. I want to say this funny conversation, but you can have a laugh from a dodgy sideburns. Paddy had a go at my sideburns. That was a fashion <laughs> back in them days. <laughs> I was only nineteen then. <laughs> Brilliant. Was it your aspirations, um, Roy, when you were playing at Wigan to eventually play in the Premier League? My first ambition was, yeah, my first ambition was to be a professional footballer. And when I made that professional, I wanted to play as high as I could. And I always wanted to push myself as much as I could. Of course, uh, I had a lot of people talking about me at Wigan, but I didn't pass any notice until somebody did come in. And before I did go to Manchester United, um, I was at Leicester City and I thought everything was agreed with Peter Taylor and we shook hands on it. For some reason, we didn't sign the contract and he told me to come back down on Monday and uh, he phoned me up on a Sunday night and he said, Roy, I apologise. We're going for an experienced goalkeeper. 
and that was an Ian Walker used to be at Spurs, and yeah. uh, I said, "You're the manager." You decide, and I was really upset. Like, and I remember my agent rang me up uh, the next day, and he said, "Roy, don't worry. Uh, so Alex wants to speak to you." So um, I just put the thought, I just said something to him. I don't know if I'm allowed to say it. Like, but I said something which was. Oh, no, you say what you want. Yeah, just told him the f- way off, and uh, yeah. put the phone down because I thought he was taking the f- out of me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he phoned me back again and he said no he wants to speak to you so I, I I just says okay then and he picked me up the next day and we went down and spoke to Sir Alex Ferguson which was a was a amazing meeting with him for nearly an hour and a half two hours we spoke and I think we spoke about basically things outside football for the first yeah. hour and a half which was uh, I think he just wanted to know what type of person I was and how the family mm-hmm. was and stuff like that there which was fantastic to, to listen to him and then we just talked about what uh, what he wants to uh, try and get out for me um, at, at United and uh, try and fight fight with Bartes. He says he'd be the number two because Bartes is my number one, and mm. which is I understandable because he's one of the best keepers. He's won many many trophies, and uh, I just wanted to go to Old Trafford to play with the best and learn from the best because, maybe I never had any goalkeeping training until up day to day until I went to Manchester United. So that was that was the thing. I was getting a few goalkeeping coaches coming in at Wigan, a few coaches coming at Hull yeah. City. Uh, had a few coaches at Northern Ireland, but I wasn't getting day to day coaching with uh, like Tony Colton. So and did you know that old, by going to United, you would get day to day coaching? Yeah, I knew I would have I would have mm-hmm. went uh, any any higher club who had a goalkeeping coach. Mm-hmm. I would have learned a lot more. But when Manchester United came in, Colin Foyne, you're going to be playing like uh, playing training with the best players if you can't learn at Manchester United you should never be a footballer like because they're, they're great coaches great people and uh, especially Tony Colton uh, I worked hard yeah. with Tony Colton back in, back in the day and uh, what a great guy he is and fantastic for uh, to have him when I was a young lad coming through at Manchester United How strange that is though that you know you, you shake hands with Peter Taylor to go and sign for Leicester and then obviously you get knocked out knocked back and you're thinking right what do I do now and then Man United, it's like, what's what, what's silver lining that is? Were you a United fan as well, Roy? Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. See, I want to, uh, can I just go back a little bit? That's what I'm saying about the meeting. Uh, so Alex said he was watching me since that day uh, opened the stadium. He said he'd been watching, had people watching. That was two years before, uh, two that years day ago. That you wrecked Maisie. Yeah. Yeah, when I done Messi, which I apologise again, mate, because I never try and do people. <laughs> Saying that, I was I was quite I, I wasn't that heavy though, Messi back in like 19, 20 years. Oh, so no, not like. Uh, <laughs> 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 no, uh, so so that's what I'm saying about Ferguson. He had people watching you for so long, like, and uh, mm. so Alex, he had so many people watching, and I knew there was people watching me from Old Tra- uh, United, but you don't you don't realise it who they're going to come and watch, and you're just thinking. And when Ferguson turned around and said, so Alex turned around and said, here. We've been watching since uh, two years ago. Uh, it does give you a big lift, and and he's brought you in as a as a young goalkeeper at Manchester United. But going back to Helen's uh, Helen's question, I don't think too many people are like this. But I was a Liverpool fan growing up as a oh. young lad. I was a Liverpool fan growing up. Uh, uh, my, my was my whole family. My whole family uh, was Liverpool fans, and that's just the way I was brought up. But uh, for me now, I, I just love watching football and. Playing for Manchester United for four years it was uh, it was a pleasure, and I do watch them every time they come up and the results come up. And it's been very tough on the boys, uh, tough on the club, tough on the supporters in the last uh, so so long, like five years, four years, five years. It's yeah. been difficult times at the moment. What did Sir Alex say to you in that conversation? You said he wanted to know a lot about you as a person. It wasn't just about football. What kind of things did you talk about? 
And I was just talking about my family, what uh, the kids, and uh, I had a small, uh, had a small kids like you know what I mean, and just talking so about. You had life your kids and, at that point, yeah. Yeah, I, I had my second one uh, when I was at Manchester United. We got married. Me and my wife we got married uh, that summer after when we joined Manchester United. Uh, she loved it because I had a little bit more money. She could have a better wedding. You know what I mean? So <laughs> it was it was nice. I was supposed to get married the year before. You see, Helen. But I was called up to the Northern Ireland squad, so I had to cancel right. the wedding. So she wasn't too happy. No. And uh, I end up, I thought it was going to be playing, and I end up sitting on the bench. So I was really, I was, I was upset. But my wife was even worse when I got home because yeah. she said you could have, you could have got married because you never played. Typical. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what was your dad's reaction? Obviously, you, you looked up to your dad as a goalkeeper, and what was his reaction now that he's signing for Manchester United? I mean, your brother's ancestors as well. Uh, my dad, I forgot. That my dad, see, my dad's a Notts County man. You see, he's from Nottingham, so he's a Notts County man. So my brothers and my, they were all right because they were just proud of me going signing yeah. for a big club. So my brothers and all my mates, like they all came over and watched me and stuff of like that there. But they still give me a little dig when we beat Liverpool. You know what I mean? Because uh, <laughs> I remember beating Liverpool. Rooney, Rooney uh, scored the winner, one 0 I think Wes Brown got sent off. That was some day, like uh, beat yeah. uh, beat uh, Liverpool one 0 with ten men, but. Uh, I always get little digs, mate. Uh, it's just the banter of the game. That's what it's all about. Yeah. It's the banter. But, and, um, but your dad had been very proud of you watching. You. Yeah, dad was a dad, my dad. He's came out of himself a little bit more now. But I remember when he came over, and he was proud of me when I signed a professional contract. And then he said something when I done my knee there playing for Linfield about a year and a half ago, and it completely ruined my knee. I done my ruptured my ACL. I was still playing. I was really enjoying football playing for Linfield. And he turned around and said, "Son, don't worry. You had a great career, and that was it." Uh, that's all he said and that was it he doesn't say much you know what I mean he's a no. tough man but yeah. uh, once he said that I had a, uh, basically I had a lump in my throat when he said that because I don't hear much that like from him oh get Helen I know I love <laughs> stuff right, like that then. I've got yeah, a lump in okay. my throat now you're you killing me here mate you're ah, me. Hey, so I'll hey. move on I'll move on but my mum my mum was a, my mum's the funniest one because she she doesn't watch the games unless she, if I don't, if she, she only taped the games and if, she, if I let her go in, she will never watch it. Don't but watch if I it. keep a clean sheet, she like to know the result before she watches so it. Yeah, <laughs> so she's, she watches it then. So she didn't watch many games. <laughs> <laughs> what was it like when you first came to Carrington, met the other players? Were you nervous, anxious? Oh. What were your feelings at the time? I think I signed the contract and the boys were on, uh, still, I think we were still on holidays and I had three weeks. I, I don't think I told any of the boys that. Manchester United but I was there three weeks I think I only slept for two days and then three weeks because I was so scared going in thinking what I'm going to say to these boys and all that like and once I went in I think it was an hour, there an hour and a half probably an hour before everybody else sitting there and the first person came in was David Beckham and uh, I just uh, shook his hand he came over and he shook my hand he says I'm David Beckham and I just sat there and said know who you are I know. <laughs> and that was it like and then what uh and I just turned around and said, I'm Roy Carroll, like shaking at this stage. But uh, be fair, I, it's probably one of the easiest clubs I ever came to who made me feel so welcome. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been at many, many clubs. And uh, United probably was the, the best club I've ever easily walked into and made me feel so welcome at the club. Mm-hmm. Do you remember Maisie in the changing room? I remember Maisie. Say, hey, I'm David like, May. David May is always a character he was a great guy he's always a joke of the pack but I, he was a, be fair Maze, you, I really enjoyed playing with you mate because you're a good solid centre half trust me you're a good solid oh. centre half cheers bromance bromance lover bromance yeah <laughs> can you remember um, obviously you go out your first training session and you're training with like Fabian Bartas World Cup winner getting coached by TC 
that must have been like, wow, this is, a, obviously it's a dream come true anyway. Mm. But the fact that you're training with, with the best, the best in the country, the best in the world. Yeah, sometimes you have to pinch yourself, especially my first probably four or five months, like you said, and they're thinking, uh, you're walking on the pitch for Fabian Bartes, one of the best, uh, one everything, one of the best keepers. Like I know he mm. went through a bad time at Old Trafford his last year, but for me, it's to look up to him. He had different ideas than other keepers. And I remember him telling me one time, Roy, we're not goalkeepers, we're footballers now. And look what happens now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was like, you're talking about, I mean, what's that? Gee, 15 years ago. So he knew he knew what goalkeeping wow. was all about, changing modern day goalkeeping. That was a long time ago. Okay, made a few mistakes, but uh, we all do. And uh, to- with, with working with Tony Colton, what a character he is as well. What a what a strong what a strong man. And uh, learning from the best is uh, it's one of the things I always wanted to do, and I learned it from them. And uh, I remember my first game as well was against Aston Villa. Mezzi, I don't know if you remember it, was Aston Villa away, and the number one keeper for Aston Villa at the time was. Peter Smeichel mm-hmm. so I was playing against Peter Smeichel and I was playing for Manchester United at the time I thought oh my god this can't be right <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was dreaming see you ever get them dreams you wake up and then you say oh no it's just a dream <laughs> so, right, yeah. <laughs> that this is actually happening he's in the other uh, goal what was it like going to United were you always okay settling thinking I'm always going to be number two here because Sir Alex had said that to you or did you ever think yeah, he, he's bringing me in as a number two, but I want to make it to that number one spot. I knew I had a lot to learn. I knew I, I'm coming from uh, League Two to the Premier League, the best team in the world. Uh, you play in Champions League. So I knew I had a lot to learn, but Sir Alex was the type of guy. Like he, he, I, I knew I'd probably have a few games a season because Fabian Bortes, uh, uh depends on Fabian Bortes, you or maybe gets injured or something. But I played uh, played quite a few games at Manchester United, uh, especially in my last year. But uh, it was one of those. I never thought about number two. For me, I'm just a goalkeeper. I want to come here and play football. I'm mm-hmm. a young lad from Northern Ireland. My ambition was to play football, and uh, it, it showed when I uh, when I never I was probably I think it was like Sir Alex asked that he could stay for another four years, and I wanted to move on to play football. I could have stayed at Manchester United and sat in the stands, but I'm a type of guy who wants to play football. I learned my trade at United. Learned from the best coaches. Uh, learned from the best players. But uh, things didn't really work out because I was really put under the spotlight with Peter Smeichel who left and everybody keeps saying, oh, he's not Peter Smeichel. But for me, mm-hmm. nobody's going to be like a Peter Smeichel. No. Nobody's going to be like a Roy King. Nobody's going to be like a Sir Alex Ferguson. Mm-hmm. So the fans have to realise when new players come in, you have to give them time and buy, buy, uh, bed in. And, uh, and same as Ollie as a manager. He's going to take mm-hmm. time to get things moving again. And you see sometimes the first team, they play really good football and sometimes then they go back to the old selves like and you need to work hard and I think that's what Ollie and Mike Phelan and all them ones at the club are trying to bring back again and make sure you work for every every time you walk on that pitch you're wearing the Manchester United shirt you're fighting for every cause and every minute mm-hmm. 2002-03 you win the league uh, everybody's dream you got a big cheesy grin on your face there pal I got some sl- what was that like I got some slagging like uh, that says uh, a lot of people says I've made a lot of mistakes especially the Spurs goal and I just says come the end of the day it's, it happens in football uh, the Spurs goal wasn't a goal because it was nil nil against Spurs absolutely so it was, absolutely talk us through that event Roy Right, let me say let me say about the Premier League. I never thought I'd be sitting in Ellis Skillen, uh, school, high school, sitting thinking to my career teacher, 
I want to be a professional football footballer. Yeah. And uh, he said, you can't do it, Roy. It's very difficult. And uh, once winning that medal, uh, that's, that's the proudest thing in my life, winning that medal, mm-hmm. uh, Premier League medal. Uh, a lot of people try to win it. Uh, Stephen Jarrod would love to win it and he never got the <laughs> chance. Like So So it's amazing to win that medal. And uh, I'm amazed he wants to talk about the goal that wasn't. <laughs> I wish they never said anything. No, hey, listen, it, 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 we can take it out, but... No, nah, mate, come here. Can, I don't, can, I talk, can you remember I, it? Well, can you remember that oh, shot I'm, that, that didn't cross the line? I remember it really well, Mezzi. It was one of those... Uh, it was one of them idiot moments of a goalkeeper who you're running back and then you, you, it's an easy ball to catch, but I'm looking out to throw the ball to Gary Neville <laughs> instead of keeping an eye. Yeah. Instead of keeping an eye on the ball because <laughs> it comes into my chest. And then, uh, as I always say to the young ones, make sure you react to anything. And when that ball went over my shoulder, I still reacted. Yeah. And uh, I kept it, kept it from going over the line, which was fantastic for me. Absolutely, you did. That incident has gone down in Premier League history. And whenever VAR came in, it was you. That clip was actually used quite a lot. I know. Could I make any money out of that? Can I? Can I sue them for using my image rights? Probably not, mate. <laughs> Horses bolted. <laughs> <laughs> The worst thing about it, I moved to West Ham after that, and I, I moved to a wee place called Chigwell, and I didn't realize I didn't realize the Spurs training ground was just down the road. Oh. So I got so I got hammered when I moved to Chigwell. It was a nightmare. <laughs> so it was because I think that season. But I'm I right in saying that Spurs were just three points off. I think someone said one point. Or was it one point off your? <laughs> and they blame me place. for some reason. They play so many games a season, and they blame me for that. Yeah, no, loads of games. Um, <laughs> What did you probably were thinking at the time? Oh my goodness, I'm going to be in for one of these infamous Sir Alex Ferguson hair dryer treatments. But I believe that he just said to you, "What happened?" Is that right? Yeah, I don't. I, I think I said this a couple of weeks ago to somebody uh, doing a wee interview, and I said it was the longest walk I ever walked off the pitch before in my life. It took me about ten minutes walking off the pitch. <laughs> and be fair to Alex, he just says, "Roy, what happened?" I says, "Boss, and he took me off the ball. I wasn't concentrating." He says, "Be fair, reactions were good." So yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. I thought I was going to get the hair hair dryer treatment. I've never seen the hair dryer treatment, so I can't say anything about that. Have like, you so, not? No. No, I've never seen it. I remember the time we were losing against Spurs three 0 at half time, and he came in, and I don't think he even said anything. Just walked in and walked back out again, and then we end up winning the game five three in the second half. Yeah. And and that's the, that was the statue of the man. Like he didn't even have to talk. Sometimes you know what I mean. His body language shows it. So you've seen it to other people though, but just not yourself. No, I haven't. I haven't seen it at all. Right. Oh my goodness, that's quite unique in two years. I don't know. What's, what's a hair dryer treatment? What was it like? Was it like? Oh, I've seen. Nice. Came I'm from Nord, I came. I'm from Northern Ireland. I played in the lower leagues. I've seen teapots being thrown around the pot, <laughs> place and everything. So. So it was nothing. If someone's if someone <laughs> shouting at you, it's, uh, that's nothing. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's not nice. It's not nice. Roy, what about whenever more competition come in uh, in the way of Tim Hard? Did that intimidate you a little bit that there was another um, goalkeeper coming into the mix? Wasn't because uh, Fabian left at uh, end of last summer when we won that uh, when we won the league and. Uh, Tim Howard, I knew there was probably going to be keepers coming in because it's Manchester United. You want to get the best players, best goalkeepers. And But did uh, you expect at that time to move into the number one spot? Myself? No, I didn't think no, don't I don't at that age I didn't expect anything. I was just happy to be playing and yeah. keep working, keep working. Every time I play, I want to keep that spot. And that's what I was like, trying to be that number one spot. But uh I never thought, yeah, I'm number one, that's me, I'm ha- that's me, I'm number one. No, never thought like that. Mm-hmm. And uh Tim Howard came in. Did the gaffer ever speak to you about that, Roy? No, Obviously, he never spoke. No, you know, Fabian, Fabian leaving, 
you're now the only, you know, first team player there, or first team goalkeeper there. Did they not mention, listen, we're going to have to bring in another goalkeeper? You're just a little bit not experienced enough? Or? No, it was, I remember the time when uh, I was, I think we were playing Spurs. Uh, David, I don't know if you uh, we played Spurs away and I didn't even know I was going to be playing. Bortez, I thought he was going to be playing. I think it was third, fourth game at the end of the season. And we were still in for the chance to win the league. And then he stuck me on. He, he says, Roy, you're playing. And he just put me straight on. And then Fabian wasn't even on the bench. And then we won that game 1-0. I think it was Ruud van Nistelrooy scored 1-0. Mm-hmm. And uh, we went on and we won the league because Leeds beat, Leeds beat uh, Arsenal uh, at Highbury. Right. And uh, the last game of the season was against Everton. And uh, we won we won that game as well. Everton had to win. to get. I think they had to get a point or win it to get in Europe as well. So we won that game 2-1. But Sir Alex never spoke to me about the goalkeeping situation. Any time Sir Alex spoke to me about the uh, goalkeeping situation was when I first came in and when I was leaving as well because he said, mm-hmm. we would like to keep you for another four years, uh, but you won't be in the number one because we're bringing another keeper in. He says he'd be probably number two stroke number three type of thing. Mm. But I was 27 at the time and I just wanted to play football. I was hungry to play more football. And the good thing about Sir Alex that time, it was in, that was in January time when he told me that. And... Uh, I played more games that last three or four months of my career at Manchester United because that's why I respect him so much. Any other any other manager would have stuck me up in the in the in the stands or put mm-hmm. me on the bench, but he played me till the till the FA Cup final. Mm-hmm. Was 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 that a difficult decision, Roy? You being offered, and I know it's um, I know with goalkeepers, obviously there's only one spot. Maybe an outfield player, you can always think, well, he might have a little bit of dipping form or. But you're 27 year old, and you're probably coming to. Well, you're not even at your peak yet. But for the, for a club like Manchester United to offer you four years and you to turn it down, did you know anything in the pipeline that was coming up? No, I had a, the end of the I, season. Or I had a long talk uh, with a few senior players. Like uh, uh, I spoke to them, spoke to a few senior players, and I spoke to my family about it. Like, and everybody knows what I'm like. Everybody yeah. knew my family knew what I was like. I'm a hungry guy. I wanted to play football, and had something. I had. West Ham was interested me in the year before, you see, at the time. Yeah. Can you remember who you, who you spoke to? Uh, that's between me and the players. That's between oh, okay. me and players. No, but it was fine, very, no, no, I was personal, mate, because it was uh, they gave me good advice. And yeah. and the uh, end of the day, they just said to me, Roy... Senior, uh, senior players. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. but they were, they were good to me. Uh, they says, Roy, if you want to stay, you want it's up to you. But uh, uh, he says, what do you want to do in life? And what were you... And I said, turned around and said to the players, I says, end of the day, for me, I'm a, I'm a uh, a guy who wants to play football when I was a young lad and uh, they said you just answered your own question like so yeah. the bot keeping and I found out who the keeper was then when I left uh, great goalkeeper uh, Dutch number one unbelievable goalkeeper so yeah. it's going to be another difficult uh, situation to try and get in the play and uh, but it's football Messi you move on and moved on to West Ham of course come here my dog's going mad here lads uh, hang on come on can I back right. in a second yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> dog's going mad how about that Dog sorted. What were we talking about? (laughs) You were talking about moving on, but we're actually going to move back a little bit because we're going to talk about moving on to West Ham uh, a little bit later on as well. Um, I just want to ask you again about the um, when Tim Howard came in. Was there a lot of competition between the two of you? How have you always felt that relationship's been with you and another another goalkeeper at a club? I think most of the clubs I've been at, keepers are very close unit and. uh, Tim Howard came in and he was another good good, good lad and uh, me and him were swapping uh, swapping playing games uh, 
the biggest thing for me was just getting to know the guy. And he was a really nice lad. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he was in the same boat as me. He was a young lad coming from America, coming to a, a massive club like Manchester United. Did you know much about Tim? I never knew much about him. No. He just came out of the blue. Yeah. He, uh, we went we went to America and, and that's when Tim Howard came in, you see. Uh, when we were in America, I just thought he was in, didn't know what was going on. And then uh, uh, we were training, but he was playing games. And then uh, he came back to England and uh, they ended up signing him. Uh, great guy, though. Uh, yeah, I don't know if you ever spoke to him, but what a great no. guy. Really no. nice guy. The two of you swapped in and out a lot, Roy. Was that difficult to try and find some consistency for both of you? Yeah, I think I think it is. I think it is, especially a goalkeeper. You need a bit of uh, you need a bit of um, like you need a manager who trusts you and stuff like that. Then you play about ten games, fifteen games in a row. You know what I mean? If you do make a mistake, you stay in. A couple of mistakes, you stay in. Like, but when you make a bit, when you make a mistake in Manchester United, it's a big, big mistake. You know what I mean? Everybody picks it up. Uh, it's different when you play for the likes of uh, lower teams in the league or whatever, because uh, a lot of keepers who. Who, who went to Manchester United, who's done really well in the lower, lower part of the league, would come in at Oak Traff and it's complete, completely different uh, completely different setup. You know what I mean? You might not have that much to do in a game and uh, you make one save or you let one in, it's it's headlines, you know what I mean? Mm. Especially uh, with with myself, like, uh, it was a big one against Spurs and, and it was like, in the papers and still in the papers and still in the VAR. Does that annoy you at all, Roy? I tell you the truth, Helen. Uh, no, it doesn't. I just laugh about it now. You know what I mean? At the time, it was just uh, you just get on with it when you're playing. But uh, even now, when I think it was uh, who was it? Uh, Sheffield United scored against was it Aston Villa? Aston Villa. Yeah. Uh, and, the, uh, and the, the the watch never worked, and next minute I got so many missed calls from the press, like, and I was wondering how the hell did he get my number? But uh, especially in Fermanagh, my phone doesn't work in this part of the world, but <laughs> somehow their their numbers were ringing through. <laughs> but uh, uh, it's just it's just where it is, and I, I do a lot of talks about things like that there in life, and how life knocks you down, and how you have to build yourself back up again, and yeah. and you have to be mentally strong. And at the time, I wasn't mentally strong, and that's when things went there. Uh, it was a difficult times, but uh, uh, it's it's life, and you learn from every every minute of it. And I enjoy life now, and I'm just really enjoying coaching kids and love watching football. Mm-hmm. I do yeah. watch it. I don't I don't like watching it at the moment with no supporters because I do miss the supporters, and mm. I do hope uh, the supporters get back in sooner than later because it's, it's not the same without the mm. supporters at, at the grounds. Yeah, right. Just 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 growing up, you'd have watched probably like me, like most kids growing up. FA Cup finals and in 2004 you managed to get on last six minutes seven minutes was it true that the gaffer um, promised you an FA Cup medal or no he promised he didn't promise anything he just says Roy if we're winning the game we'll let you uh, if we're winning the game 3-0 we'll put you on the uh, on because you did, you did well for us in the semi-finals yeah. against Arsenal because I knew, as I see myself, like nobody, you're not stupid as a footballer. Like uh, I had a really bad time after the semi-finals. About three, two or three games afterwards, I was letting in silly goals and stuff like that. There, and I knew right, the writing was on the wall. And he came up to me, and I didn't even d- uh, disagree. I said, "You're right." And uh, yeah. he says, "Thank." I said, "Thanks." Like, and then I thought it was all over because it was the last ten minutes. And then he looked around. He says, "Roy, get changed." And he came on for the last seven minutes, and so it was. <laughs> It was uh, it was some it was some feeling coming on like I was going to let three goals in to play another extra time. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Have your moment. <laughs> play an extra thirty minutes. Thirty minutes. <laughs> but uh, I, said well, I, was that I mean, as you say, I mean, for me, playing FA Cup final 
probably the best feeling ever and winning yeah. it and yeah. I mean for a goalkeeper it's, it's, it's one of those and you think I'm never going to get on because there's a goalkeeper there but for the manager yeah. to actually say to you listen if we're 3-0 up you're going on at 2-0 did you think for God's sake lads get another goal will you you must have been up and down that line praying for another goal I think I must have done about 10 mile runs up and down that line mate trying to push the ball in the back and blow the ball in the back of the head <laughs> no but it was some feeling when I come on like uh, it's always a, a, boys, a young boy's dream to come on and play in the yeah. FA Cup final but I wish it was Wembley you know what I mean but it wasn't but yeah. that's the only thing uh, Wembley was getting uh, rebuilt and uh, I, I, I was at I was at the FA Cup final three years in a row uh, so it was nice to be involved in uh, in, in uh, three three FA Cups in a row I know that my last one was at West Ham like but I was yeah. injured, had a bad back. That's when I'd done a, had a back operation. But the second one with Manchester United, it was a hard one to take, losing on penalties, and especially mm-hmm. the way we played against Arsenal in the final. Yeah. I think we, uh, we could have easily hammered them in the first 90 minutes, like. but then we had Paul Scholes missed the penalty and uh, yeah. we ended up losing the penalties 5-4. I couldn't even save one high. It was just one of that was annoying. I nearly, Patrick, uh, uh, nearly got his at the end, but it was too slow getting down, mate. It was... Yeah. It was right in the corner, but it's a horrible feeling losing penalties. But it's even worse when you miss a penalty, and it did mm. feel feel really bad for Paul Scholes. Do you know when you're sat on the bench and the keepers? Um, do you want him to make mistakes? You don't want him to make mistakes, like <laughs> you don't want him to make mistakes. But you do think you're sitting saying like, "Right, I'm, injured, I'm, or... I'm ready. I'm ready to come on if something happens." Yeah. Like, but. Kimia, I've met a lot of good friends as a goalkeeper and yeah. I would never want anything bad to happen to them. Like, but uh, Maybe just course, for like a little tweak of groin or... Kimia, I know what you're trying to get me to do. I know what you're trying to get me to do. No, no, I'm just saying. <laughs> no, me, no, mate, hey, listen, no, when, just, I, when I was on the bench and stuff like that, I wanted the lads to get injured and, you uh, know, let goals in and stuff like that. It's just nature of the beast because mm-hmm. you want to be playing. Yeah, I always wanted to play like, but uh, Kimia... I wanted the team to win as well. Like it was, a yeah, team. of course, yeah. I was, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's that you was me. Every, everybody's yeah. different, but uh, even when I even when I was in uh, Helen, probably no more or less. Like uh, I was playing for Northern Ireland, run up to the Romania game, and then I had a stomach problem, and I was in hospital for three days with stomach problems before, before the Romania game in 2015, I think it was. And Mike, Michael McGovern got in the team, and he kept the spot. And me and Michael's really close. He's from Fermanagh as well. And we're really, really close. And I, after the, I think it was the second game, we were playing away. Then we, two months later, we were playing away. And I just went up to Mike, Michael McGovern and just said, Michael, come here, you got your spot now, but I'm right behind you. So keep yourself on your toes. I'm going to be right behind you because I want to get yeah. my spot back. And that's what, that's what it was like. Uh, but yeah. of course, when you're younger, you want to play, you want to play and you're pushing everybody. But uh I don't think I have too many goalkeepers that turn around and say, I want him to get injured. Like, maybe one because I didn't like him. I'm not saying any names, Mersley. That's just between me and Just tell us the club. <laughs> just tell us the club. I'm not saying any clubs. That'll definitely close it down. No. I think he might know if he sees this, so it doesn't matter. He's, he's not Manchester United, anyhow. That's there good. goes the gossip. <laughs> um, Roy, do you, lots of people say that United find it hard to fill the void between Schmeichel and Van der Sar. Do you take that as a little bit of an insult? And what's your feelings when people say that? That's their opinions, isn't it? That's their opinions. It's uh, really good, one of the two best keepers in the world at the time, you know what I mean? So uh, for me, coming up uh, from Fermanagh, coming over, playing for Manchester United, never got proper coaching until I was 23. 
Uh, Peter Michael, he made mistakes as well, don't forget. But he made big saves as well at the same time. And uh, how, how old was uh, for, how old was he when he came to Old Trafford? 35, wasn't he? Something like that, Edwin, yeah. Yeah, Edwin, wasn't he? 30, he came from Fulham. 34. That's he the thing, he'd, he'd made a lot of his mistakes before he came to Manchester. No, I'm not saying he made a lot of mistakes. I'm no, just no, saying he, but had, he had a lot of experience. You're learning, when, yeah. Yeah, I, when you get older, like now, uh, when you play, when you get older, you learn, you, you can read the game better. So hmm. you're reading the game, I'm playing League Two, uh, and you come straight in your first game after four, uh, four after the first four games, you're playing Aston Villa away, and you, you let a goal in, the first, losing 1-0 against Aston Villa, and then the, uh, you you think um, you don't th- you can't think because you keep thinking you ha- you probably make more mistakes so uh, you have to grow up very quickly when you're playing for Manchester United when you're a young lad and that's what's uh, that's what's wrong with uh, United you see the players you buy all the best players outside Manchester United who comes in at Old Trafford and they can't handle it at Old Trafford uh, mm-hmm. that's the thing you see you have to you have to go for the personality as well what they like off the pitch and all the mentally strong to do it and I was a young lad coming through and. I was everybody's who was a Fabian Bartes, uh, Bojnes, you had uh, Dehebe, you had all the keepers before, after Smeichel. And everybody's saying about Peter Smeichel, you're not going to get another keeper like Peter Smeichel. No way. You're never going to get a keeper like him. One of the best. But is that annoying? Like, Because it's the same as you said for managers that have followed Sir, Sir Alex Ferguson. People always say, oh, he's never going to. But that's what you're saying. They're never going. You're never going to be that person. It's not annoying because I know it, people are just going to say it. It's life. Yeah. Yeah. No, like there's never going to be another Roy Keane because uh, it's just where football's turning out to be now. Uh, like Roy Keane, like he was a leader on the pitch. Uh, you seen him at mm-hmm. the Highbury in the tunnel. He looked after his players, shouting, uh, having to go to Arsenal players. And I think that's what drives us on to win that game at, at uh, Highbury. Went 4 2. What a great game that was. Same as Peter Smeichel. Would Peter Smeichel be able to do what? players are doing the goalkeepers are doing this day and age mm-hmm. it's football's changing every day and uh, like uh, that's what coaches have to change every day I remember mm-hmm. when you you get subbed and the coach doesn't even shake your hand you just come straight off now you're giving you hugs and everything coming off the pitch when you get subbed <laughs> so it's completely so different. true isn't it <laughs> what was your relationship like with the other players who were you close to in the squad like uh, John O'Shea and uh, Wes Brown and Luke Chadwick and all the younger ones you know what I mean uh, and, but be fair, like I said before, when I first came on the show, I said, like, sitting there waiting to say hello to all the players. They made me feel so welcome. Great bunch of lads. So, But they're probably the closest lads I, I kept in touch with. Like, mm-hmm. uh, great lads. Like, it was hard to keep in touch when I moved away from away from the United Kingdom, when I moved to Denmark and moved to Greece. But uh, I've still kept in touch with John O'Shea, so it's nice to keep in touch with mm-hmm. uh, a few lads. But we always bump into them. Uh, so Alex came over here with big Pat McGibbons. Uh, uh, he came over for a mental awareness talk and it was brilliant to see him like uh, great man so Alex he helps out a lot of people and it was mm-hmm. nice to see him again you did mention as well Roy that you were offered another four years at the club but you turned it down because you wanted to go and play football yeah that's all it was I wanted to play uh, I, 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 I had the medal I got the medal playing in the Premier League I had an FA Cup medal I know you only played for probably six minutes but uh, it was prepared for the big biggest team in the world as well and played with the likes of uh, Ronaldo, David Beckham, Roy King, Paul Scholes. People say, who's your best 11? I says, I can do, 20, I can do 22 <laughs> players from Old Trafford, do you know what I mean? It's, Just it's from amazing. one team. It's amazing. But, uh, do you ever look back, Roy? Do you ever look back and think, oh my God, because I do, 
you know when you're just having your little moments in yeah. your in the car or whatever it is, and you you're reminiscing. The yeah. players you you've just mentioned players there that are absolutely world world class. I know. I, I mean, I do look back now. Like uh, I'm. I think about, Jesus, how lucky was I? I know, mate. I, look, I was doing a talk in my old school with my old manager at Ballamallad. I was just talking about my time at Old Trafford and uh, what I was doing and all that and what experience I had. And uh, he turned around and says, this guy doesn't know how famous he is, uh, this part of the world. See, for Manor, for me, I'm walking around, I'm driving, I'm driving away uh, Aussie one coaching van around for Manor, you know what I mean, doing coaching young kids. And people see me and they don't, and I, I just feel like I'm not just another guy down the road, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. And and I do look back and say, geez, I do. It, it, you know what hurts me the most is looking back and say, I do love to go back and play again, like, you know what I mean? Mm. And it, mm. you can't do it. So I don't yeah. like, I don't like but what going back in old photos and it, it upsets me a tiny bit, you know what I mean? But I do look back and say, what great bunch of lads, what great people. And I, I met some mad men, I met some great people but Amazing. it's all about it's a lot, a lot, a lot of, it's all about the learning curve like I've been all over I've been all over the place I enjoyed my love, uh, football career it was brilliant How did you move to West Ham come about? It came around because uh, I think a year before was uh, before my last year of contract sorry it was during the playoffs and they were supposed to be if they said they were going to go up someone said like they'll be coming in for me Some that's how it was people's yeah. rumours but you know what rumours are like Who's the manager then? Alan Pardew and then uh, they got promoted the second. They got promoted when I got when uh, I got released, and then I ended up going to West Ham no free, and that's how I came along. And uh, that's when I'll talk about it now. That's when things changed in my life when I moved to West Ham because uh, my first training session was going to training. I got in a slight car crash, and I didn't pass any notice, and uh, my back just started getting worse and worse. And that's when the injury started coming, and I had to go for a back operation. And that's when because of like, the car crash, it, it could have been, might not have been, it could have been anything, no. you know what I mean? But the that car could have given you a weakness, was, maybe it could give me, uh, it could, like some doctor says, it could have been like uh, the impact in the car. You probably didn't realize how bad it was until you started training and stuff. And I think it kept training. And by the end, of, I think it was by, I think I was, tra- I wasn't even training for a month and a half, I was getting injections before games to kill the pain, and uh, I couldn't get out of bed for two days. And uh, wow. And then uh, I said, I can't do this anymore to myself. And I went to see a specialist myself. And the, the, he said, Roy, you're very lucky. Uh, we need to get you in the hospital and get your back operation because you're going you're gonna to get foot drop like you lose your whole nerve down your left side and uh, end up getting the operation. And then things just went downhill ever since then. And how long had you been at West Ham at this stage? I think I was, think I was there from that summer and I went in to get the operation in the end of January, I think it was. So I was carrying on. I was just going out on a Friday watching set pieces. I never trained for a month and a half. Nothing, done nothing. Just mm-hmm. just watched the training and then a bit of massages on my back and then just getting really bad back pains down my left leg from my glute the whole way down my left side, down my left calf and into my foot. And uh, in the spe- that's when I had enough and I went to see the special, like I said before. So I went for the operation, I think, um, 2000 and 2008, 2008, I think it was. Mm. And uh, I just went in a deep hole, deep black hole, couldn't get out of. I was just end up drinking instead of worrying about my rehab and stuff. And can, can you can you can you go back to the beginning of that, Roy? Of how, how you actually got into that position? I know, I know. Obviously, you're injured and you're not playing. But was there something in your head that just thought, "I'm just going to drink," or was it? 
No, I mean, when you're growing up, uh, when you get injured, hey, it's hard because you want to play football, yeah. don't you? I'm, I'm, yeah. You're always on your feet. You're always doing something. And uh, I think it was my first two months. I couldn't even get off the floor. I had to do wee exercise. My kids were on. My kids were really young. Couldn't even play with my kids, and it was difficult. And uh, I was just laying on the floor, and I just thought, like, you're back. I just thought of all the bad things. What was happening? I wasn't thinking anything good. I wasn't thinking, oh, I'll be back in ten months. I'll be back doing 10 months is a long time. Uh, I've been out injured for a month, maybe a month and a half, but yeah. 10 months, all you think about all the bad things, what happened, we can't get back, what happened, we can't do this, what happened, we can't. It's just silly. You look, you look back now and you say, how stupid can you be? There's other people who, who had to retire from injuries. Uh, mm. But at the time, you don't see that. You don't see that. Mm. I got back and I was lucky enough to play it on until I was 42, 41 years old. But you don't see it at the time. All you see is uh, all the silly bad things, what you're looking into. And then, to forget about them, I was drinking, and and then when I forgot about it, when I wake up the next day, was a drink was a drink for boredom, or was it a relief to numb the pain and just get to the next day? Just forget about it. Basically, yeah, I was drinking, uh, drinking to forget about it. You know, what was I mean? you drinking just on your own? Or? I, I, first of all, it was like uh, I couldn't. I was just sitting in the house drinking. You know what I mean? Because I couldn't yeah. even hardly go out. You know what I mean? And, and the thing was, I always had a drink. Man, I always had a drink. You know what I mean? When I was young coming Northern Ireland, you know what I mean? It was, <laughs> uh, but the biggest thing for me was, uh, I ended up for nearly three years, I think it was, I was drinking, I got back playing and uh, I moved, I moved away from West Ham to go to Glasgow Rangers, which was, mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm a Rangers fan, a young lad growing up from Northern Ireland, I'm a big Rangers fan as well, like, and uh, it probably was the worst mistake I ever made in my life going up there because I was living in an apartment up there by myself and I had probably 10 or 15 guys coming over from Belfast every weekend and that didn't help as well with the drink. But the problem started, Roy, with depression. It, w- it wasn't alcohol that started it. It was depression. No, it was depression. Depression that started uh, for, it. For me, for me, it was just... Depression was like, it's just, you go, on, you go th- let me try and explain it to you. It's, it's like, I was doing the same thing every day. I was doing mm-hmm. a th- I was getting in that little hole. I was getting, I was getting bigger and bigger. I would do the same thing every single day. I wake up about, because I was injured, I'd... I, didn't, I wasn't even going in the training because it told me to take two months off. So I was getting that routine, waking up at 10 o'clock, half 10, drinking when I get up, uh, drinking uh, at lunchtime, drinking at tea time. And the wife and the kids would come in. I was depressed about that. I couldn't do nothing. I was, it, was so, it was so horrible feeling like. And uh, I was quite lucky. I was quite lucky. Let, let me go back a little bit because I had a lot of good friends. What I thought I had good friends around me, you see. And that's the big problem. And uh, is this when you were at West Ham? And that's when I was at West yeah. Ham, and uh, and then I realised who my good friends were when I hit, did hit rock bottom, Helen. You see. And did your family know though, Roy? My, my wife knew. My wife knew. She knew I was in a bad way, and that's why I went to rehab. But basically, my agent and my wife put me in a rehab. For me, I didn't even know how bad I was at the time, and I said, "No, I'm not going. I don't want to go." And I end up going because it was for my wife and my agent to put me in. I just wanted to say, okay, I go in for them. So mentally, in my own head, I was thinking, no, nah, I'm, I'm not, I'm not coming off the drink. You know what I mean? And I was only in rehab for six days, and I came back out, and I was off the drink for a week, and I had the press and everybody waiting outside my house. And uh, after a week, they were away, and I just went out and drinking again. But let me go to the near end of it. Like it was down to me 
that I went off the drink because I woke up one day, I was and my family was separated, I uh, moved out of the family home and I was in an apartment in Canary Wharf in London. And uh, I woke up and just looked in the mirror and I didn't know who was in my apartment, looked in the mirror and said, who the hell am I? Didn't even recognize me in the mirror, myself in the mirror. And uh, I just had to try, I had to change myself and I ended up uh, going back to the wife, begging my wife to take me back. And she never took me back straight away, but I, I've stayed dry ever since and that was uh nine years ago and 11 months from today and it's been it's been a long long still still uh still ropey the depression because sometimes i'm sitting in the house and and i can feel myself getting back in that routine because i don't do nothing during the day because the kids are all at school and, I, and they don't do the coaching until after until after six o'clock so uh i i have to keep myself active and uh and people void. who yeah, the people who are, who are going through things like that, it's like when you have too much time in your hands, that's when you think too much. Mm-hmm. Did the club help you out in any way, Roy? No, no, nobody helped me out. No way. But did you talk about it? Did you find it hard to share those emotions when you were a player? Because you think, oh, if I tell people this, you know, I might not get another club. Is that the way you thought at no, the time? No, that's the way. I, I've, I've openly said that, yeah. I openly said that, like, but it'd be, it'd be nice to get a bit of lift by people saying, Roy, how are you getting on? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, but for me, it was true what I was saying before. Helen, you hit the nail on the head. Like it's like if you had two keepers, one Roy Carroll who has a problem with depression and alcohol, and the other keeper who is not as good, but he's got good. Disp- he's a good lad, and he's he won't cause any problems because he hasn't any baggage. Who are you going to go for? Mm. You're going to go for the keeper who's not going to cause any problems. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So you try and push everything under the carpet. You know what I mean? Didn't you go into rehab under a false name as well? I no, yeah, I went, I went in. Uh, m- my agent decided to do that, you see, because I was completely, I was, I didn't want to go in. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to go in. My, my problem was like, my problem was I didn't think I had a problem. And that's the big problem. And uh, once you find out, some people I try and talk to people over here, uh, I talk to them, uh, me and Big Pat talks about mental awareness and mental health in this part of the world, which is serious over here for suicides in Northern Ireland. It's really, really serious. And uh it's ones you have to look out for is the ones who's always talking and joking around in the changing rooms like Guy was. I was the character. Ring Roy up. He's the character of the, uh, mm-hmm. off the changing rooms. Give him, he would, he would ring up and come out. So I even had arguments with my wife to get out. And that's that's what the way I was going. And I, I, didn't, wow. I don't like myself. I look back now. And I, I, every morning I wake up and so much. My wife's still with me, which is a, 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 a just say how much I love her every single day because it was fantastic that she's still with me. Mm-hmm. Did the depression only start, do you think, with that back injury? Do you think that's where it all stemmed from? Or did you ever feel like that, you know, before that period and other times you were injured or just that one isolated injury that started it all? I think it was a lot of things happening because uh, it was the injury and uh, I, I went in the stupid... Um, financial things with apartments and houses and stuff so there's a lot of financial problems happening as well you see so uh, I think all happened all at once if you know what I mean it all happened all at once in that year 2008 I think it was uh, when it was really bad and uh, and I couldn't cope and um, the, the thinking and trying to hide it from the family because you're People say, well, you not talk about it then. I said, because at the end of the day, when you're earning so much money, would you want to come out and talk about your problems? Like People just look at you and laugh at you. Yeah. Uh, for me now, I talk about it because I don't care what people think about me because I just want to try and help one person. If there's 100 people, I can help one person. 
I'd be, I'd be over the moon. And uh, Do you and think there's a perception then, Roy? Sorry to interrupt that. People think, oh, you earn loads of money. What are you on talking about depression for? Is that what mm. you mean by that? No, that's what I mean, yeah. It's like any sports person like uh, um, comes out and says something they all talk about when they're, when they're, when they're finished playing football or whatever because that's the only time they can talk about it because people take notice because what they've went through. Mm-hmm. You look at Paul Gascoigne, you look at all them players who played back in the 80s like and mm-hmm. uh, they need help. They need help. Them. They need help. They can't do it themselves. I was quite lucky. I was still a little bit strong enough to pull, pull myself away from it. And... Uh, and uh, I got myself in that mess, but I got myself out of it. I'm still fighting it as well, the depression. I'm not going to say I'm not depressed because I'm, I, I do get depressed once in a while yeah. during the, uh, when you're sitting in and you're thinking about things. And that's what I'm saying. It's all about thinking, thinking bad thoughts. And, and uh, there's always someone out there to talk to. And I, that's what I try and say to people. There's always someone out there to talk to. Don't be shy. Talk to them. It's incredible as well that you said that was, what, a six-year period that you were out, for example, of the Northern Ireland squad. You went from West Ham to Rangers to Derby, then you went to Denmark, and you picked yourself up. It's just, it's absolutely incredible that, and I think I read that you said going to Denmark, was it going to Denmark really changed your life again? No, it wasn't Denmark. Uh, I came back from Denmark and I had nothing for nine months. Uh, Yes, you had eight months, yes. Yeah, and then... And then I went to Greece. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just uh, I went to Greece in uh, a wee place called uh, Offi uh, in Crete. And a Greek agent, it's amazing how people can get your number, but I got a Greek agent who rang me up and said, Roy, we'd like to come out to, uh, to Crete. And I didn't know where Crete was, so I had to look up on the map. What? And he asked me, <laughs> he asked me, um, you can come out, we'll bring your family out. So I, uh, I was basically... I stopped the drinking that June. I stopped the drinking that June 11th. It's amazing how you know when you stop drinking. It's scary when you think about it. Uh, June so the, the drinking continued through all of those clubs that I've just mentioned? Yeah, until I moved to Greece, and that's when I stopped drinking. And, that's when and I stopped what was drinking. the situation with your family at that time? Were you? We, we were separated, me and the wife, and then probably by the end of July, she realized like I was off the drink for nearly over a month. And, uh, and you were serious cause, about cause it because I was I was living in Essex, you see, and everybody knew me, and everybody knew my wife. Like around that, you have small area, and I always got back to her. And then she rang me and says, um, "We came back together, and that was it." Like, and then, uh, it wasn't. It was still a hard. It was still a hard track to get her to trust me again because of the drinking. And uh, we moved to Greece, and we never looked back since. She loved it. Uh, we moved to Athens then after six months playing for Offie. Olympia Argos bought me from Offie. And I got my life back on, but it was the hardest six months of my life because my head was telling me I had the drink to get my body going again because my body was completely wrecked. That's unbelievable. Unbelievable. That is. What 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 actually decided for you to just to stop that day? Um, was it was it because you've you've you know you've lost your family sort of thing? Or? No, I woke up and I just locked in the mirror high and something just locked back at me and I didn't know who it was. I said, what am I doing? I locked up. It was me looking in the mirror and didn't even recognise myself. And I knew I lost my family, but I'm going to say I've basically lost football as well. Like, I'm going to lose my life. I'm going to lose my life because the drinking I was doing was ridiculous. Like, I was just drinking, you name it, what was in front of me, I was drinking it. And uh, I didn't care how bad it was and how horrible it tasted. I was just drinking it. And I knew I was going to probably end up dying if I keep doing what I was doing. And, uh, 
it was just that moment something clicks in your head man i don't know if any, i was i was up uh up in lurgan and there was a guy talking about uh things were happening to him and it just hit, hit back to me as well like he was driving one day and he was going to do something silly and uh something said to his his wife he could hear his wife talking in the car and he then just turned back and went home it's strange how things happen and mine was a lock in the mirror do you th- do you think you would ever have got to that point Mate, who knows who knows yeah. who knows i'm glad i i, I stopped I, I looked in the mirror and didn't know who i was and looked back and says right i'm getting back here that's it because i wouldn't like to think what i would have been like in uh six months down the line or a year down the line so that was June 2011, you made that decision, is that when you said the date was? Uh, June 11th, yeah. Uh, woke up in Canary Wharf and uh, went back to the, uh, spoke to the wife and begged her to take me back and she said, no, no, I can't do it, I'm doing it too, too many times and and a month later she found out and then she went away on holidays because she needed a break and she went away on holidays and uh, me and a, me and a, um, my, my sister was staying with the kids and uh, she came back and we ended up getting a phone call to go to Greece. Went over there for a week, signed a contract with the Creek team and uh, that was it. That was it with the Creek team offering. I'm back in playing in the big time with Olympiagos, playing Champions League, playing uh, no, Rupa that's League. incredible. Brilliant. And uh, it, was, it, was, it was nice. Pretty I never played against Manchester United though then. It was... It was no, no. It was uh, 2-0 the first game that was in the Champions League and then the second game, Manchester United won 3-0. So it was some game then, double headers. What was it about Greece that changed things for you? It was just a lifestyle, Helen, just mm-hmm. a lifestyle. And I had people who who was around me uh, who never was drinking as well, you know what I mean? I, yeah. I said I'm strong enough. I don't know what, how strong I would have been if I did stay in the UK. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the thing. Or even your missus, if she'd have took you back. If she'd have said, yeah, you can come back, maybe you'd have carried on drinking, but maybe that was a kick yeah. up your ass where she said, no, you're not coming back, that mm. you looked in the mirror. Yeah, I looked in the mirror before that, though, but you're right what you said, mate. It did make yeah. me stronger, though, Mersey. It did make yeah. me stronger. The, the, I wanted my wife back and my kids back because my wife, uh, she's been through with me. I've been with her since I was 19 years old. Like, and I bought her through some dark days, mate, uh, especially when I was yeah. drinking heavily. It was really hard for her because I was living in Denmark by myself for a year and a half. And I was coming back, like, and I was going straight out afterwards, seeing my mates, so-called mates. Uh, yeah. And then I would have turned up and I would have been flying back the next day. Do you know your so-called mates? Are you with them now? No, not with them now, no. It's my, no. All my, all, it's my close friends over here in Northern Ireland. Yeah, they kept, yeah. ringing me up, kept ringing me up and all that. Like, like even my mum and dad never knew how bad it was because I kept everything in. So your so-called mates, the anger ons, they're the ones who were the problem to think, come on, Royal, take us out and... Yeah, you get that in there. We so life, mate, and that was there. Of course that you do, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that yeah was that, a, that's there. a choice. I think throughout your career, you'll meet people like that. They yeah. were good for you, they were bad for you. Yeah. I've met good people in football when I, when I was drinking, they're trying to tell me, but I, you don't see that. You don't see that, do you? You know, yeah, like, like me, agent try and book me in the rehab, and my wife try and book me in the rehab, and I, I, for me, I says, no, I'm all right, don't, I'm nothing, I'm okay, I keep going, keep going what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And then you have the so really good so-called mates who said, "Come on, Roy, nothing wrong. You come on, we'll go down for a few pints and do this and do yeah. that." Yeah. And uh, and two days later, you come home uh, still drunk. You know what I mean? And it's not nice. It's learn. You learn how you learn. You get older as well. Like and hmm. some every time someone out there in this world will always find out uh, at the end of the day. Like, but I I don't like seeing people going through and uh, 
not getting help and they need help and uh, some people mm-hmm. don't like to come out and talk about it you are incredible Roy for what you've done yeah, you and are. coming through all that and as you say people need guidance don't they and how hard it is to ask for help and then to accept the help you you're doing a lot of work now as well um mental awareness work tells a little bit about that too yeah, I've said before, a big um, Pat McGivern used to play for Manchester United uh, uh, many, many years ago and I played with him at Wigan. He's opened um, a mental awareness thing in Lurgan, which he'd done a lot of work. He'd done a lot of work with and he's asked me to come and do a few talks. I'm the best with uh, mental awareness in Northern Ireland. I'm, I'm grateful to be asked to do something like that because the depression I went through and the way I went, I do understand what people are going through. Not, uh, I just don't, it's just it's hard the same words like but when I first moved back home I didn't realise how many people was committing suicides in Northern Ireland it was so sad to see and we're just trying to help try and help as many people as can uh, even if that's why I come out and talk about my problems uh, I'm, I'm, my wife's proud of me what I went through how it came out to the end and uh, be fair I look back in my life and it says yes I would never want to change anything in my life because I've never made the person I am today mm-hmm. and that's what I've said to anybody uh, I'm with Keith Gillespie, I don't know if you know this. Maisie, you you came over. Uh, FC. I did, yeah. They've opened a football team, which is fantastic. They get people yeah. back to, back in the football who went through bad times, and I think it's brilliant. I played two weeks ago for him. I'm still hurting. My back's still in bits. My knee's still killing me. So, <laughs> But uh, I think it's great what people are trying to do, and Keith Gillespie and Brian Adair, what they're trying to do as well, and Big Pat McGibbon themselves. Doing a great job. Mm-hmm. Have you... You haven't written a book, Roy, have you? I don't know how to spell. <laughs> I think you need to write a book, though. <laughs> nah, come here. As people have asked me to write, uh, do a book, like, but uh, I probably will later on. Like, I'm so busy at the moment. I can't even sit down, and uh, I'm lucky to be sitting down here for you now for an hour talking to you. I know. Sorry, we've kept you too no, long. No, it's okay. I'm only joking. <laughs> I'm only joking. No, but um, I've been asked a few times, Helen, to do a book, like, so I probably will do. Uh, I wanted, would love to try and write out about. It'd be, it'd be, a, it'd be a fantastic book. It and was. as you say, even if it only helps a handful of people, and not only that, your story isn't just about all the negatives in your career. You've had an absolutely incredible career. And as you say, probably the pinnacle, obviously winning the Premier League, but going to the Euros with Northern Ireland as well. Yeah. Yes, uh, Premier, winning the Premier League, but my, my dream was always play for Northern Ireland mm-hmm. and uh, getting the opportunity uh, when you see the likes of Pat Jennings playing in uh, major tournaments. And yet people people are doubting you to get into the major tournaments now with the squad we had. And uh, we end up doing it. It was a fantastic feeling. It was uh, the best three weeks of my life uh, as a football player as well. Johnny says that too. I'm not sure whether he just means in football <laughs> or just in general though. He was actually saying that just to get away from you. I'm sorry, he's a bad man. He's a bad man. <laughs> <laughs> Three weeks out with this is perfect. Oh. But Roy, just I just want to say that because we're, we are running out of time. But when you said that your eyes filled up when you're on the bench, only now that you've told your whole story, like that is incredible to actually get yeah. through all of that and then go and represent your country at an, a major tournament, which was one of your dreams. Do you have overcome the mountain that you overcame? And I think that's what hit me when that when we lost against Wales, I think that's what hit me the most, like uh, after what I've been through, uh, what I put my wife through. And uh, I'm crying here. Oh no, don't I'll cry day. You're a brave, honest God, Roy. You're a very, very brave man. And you've come out the other end. Maisie's crying too. <laughs>
Right. <laughs> yeah, it's... But it is, it's playing for your country and that emotion. And I know that night that, well, the night in Leon that, um, sorry to all Manchester United fans for going through this, but when we got that win and then getting put out against Wales, I know Johnny was in tears. I was in tears. Lots of people were in tears. But for you, that must have had a completely different meaning. Yeah, that that's what it was. It was it wasn't the football side. I know it sounds bad, this, but it was what what I bought my family through and what I bought myself through. And to look back, to be sitting on the bench and thank Michael and Neil for giving me the chance to come back again. It was it was it was brilliant. It was brilliant. It was hard the first couple of years with Michael and Neil because we never hardly won the game. It was really difficult. It was hard. And I watched that documentary a few weeks ago and I was like, oh my goodness, I forgot that we actually didn't win for a little, yeah. for a couple of years. And then, But we we, we seen what Michael was trying to do, you see. We seen what he was trying to do and, and it proved the second time when he, got a new, when he got the new contract and the way we stuck together as a team. And uh, I know people say we don't have big name players, but we have good players. We have Johnny Evans. We got... We got uh, we got Steve Davis in the middle, but then we have players around him who we fight and we fight for in life, and that's what them boys did. We knew when the we knew when we had to fight, and that's what Manchester United was like back in the day when I was there. You had Roy Keane who fought, fought for the club, who fought for the players. You had Rio Ferdinand who came in; he was a fighter as well. So it's I learned a lot from Manchester United. My life, even when I came back to Northern Ireland to play for Linfield, I was still running around like a madman trying to win five side games because Roy Keane was the same. You yeah. had that winning mentality. Just winning, 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 mm-hmm. because if you don't have that winning mentality, there's no point being a professional sports person. Any regrets, Roy? I know you mentioned earlier that you know you wouldn't change anything in your life, but in terms of football, do you have any regrets? No, no, I've not, nothing, not at all. I, I love, love every. I didn't love it, but I learned a lot from my life, and I'm still learning. And uh, I want to give it on to the young kids and coaching in this country because. I'm not just coaching them goalkeeping, I'm coaching life, yeah, about life. Yeah. Uh, and that's what I want to coach them because uh, if they don't make it as a footballer, they're going to make it as something else because I want to make them winners in life. You're a very good man, right? Brilliant. Absolutely very brilliant. Um, just before you go, one more question. Sorry, you're probably like, seriously, you've been asking one more question for about an hour. But we <laughs> always ask... Hungry. My dogs have to get fed for Sorry. <laughs> Alan Smith recommended you. We always ask our guests to recommend... A former player, obviously, has to be a Manchester United player. Anybody you would recommend to us for the podcast? Yeah, my old goalkeeping coach at Notts County, and he's a Barnsley goalkeeping coach now, Kevin Pilkington. Dufa, yeah, good luck, Kevin. Okay, great lad, really Kevin good lad, on. great mm-hmm. coach as well, Mersey. Really good coach, really good coach. Had him for uh, two years at Notts County. He's a good lad. Brilliant, we'll get on it. Roy, thank you so much. Sorry that we put you through some sort of therapy there, but <laughs> no, it's no a lot at of all. people a lot of people have wanted to hear you. We've yeah. had a lot of emails asking for you. A lot of people wanted to hear your story, and I think a lot of people will be touched by it. You got me crying there. I never cry. I haven't cried for a long time. <laughs> oh no. It's not a problem, mate. Don't you worry. <laughs> I know, mate. Don't, Don't you worry, Carl. <laughs> Look at you. Give me I a shout, mate. I, I give you a shout when I'm in Manchester, Dave. Are you living in Manchester? I am, mate, yeah. Give us a shout. We'll go up something to eat, pal. Definitely. And next time I'm over your neck of the woods. Good Five shout. Mile Town. Five Mile Five. Town, oh, we, wherever it's called, we, yeah. We've played Locker. Have you heard of Locker, mate? Have you played there? Yes. Uh, I'm over there, 13th of October. Oh, all right. Are you far from there? I mean, 15 minutes from there. Oh, I'll give you a shout. Give me a shout, mate. All right. Yeah, brilliant, pal. Thank you so much, Roy. 
No problem, Helen. Thanks a lot. Hey, take care. Yes, you too. Take care, pal. Go and feed them dogs. I know they need. I'm, I'm feeding them. <laughs> I'm starving. <laughs> See you later on. Cheers, pal. Bye. Bye, bye, mate. Bye, bye. Maisie, that was some powerful stuff from Roy Carroll there, wasn't it? <laughs> I think that's a record that we've all Just we've all little. been crying. Yeah. Do you know what? It's only. I mean, I didn't do the Lou Macari one. But had mm-hmm. I been there, I'd have been exactly the same. Because mm-hmm. I, I do get emotional when I hear things like that. And Roy's story is epitomises everything mm-hmm. that probably what Lou were going through. You know, just such hard times. Mm-hmm. But great, great podcast. Great, Brilliant podcast. You know, it's the story getting into it, being a kid, his dad being a goalkeeper. Injuring you. Injuring me at Wigan. Thanks, Roy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> We need to find some footage. The producer has looked and he can't find it, but that will be in some sort of archive. Yeah. Yeah, oh, I remember it well. Yeah, missed the start of the season with that. But yeah, you know, it's... What a story. What a story from... Amazing story. You know, finishing his career in, in Greece from, you know, Tamla. No, Tamla. Tamla Stop what putting said, extra it? syllables in. Tamla. Tam, Tamla, Yeah. Yeah, so growing up the streets of Tamla to... Uh, yeah, I'm sure during that period of West Ham, Rangers, Derby, he never thought that he would go on and play Champions League football again, especially when his life had taken yeah. a bit of a downward spiral so off the pitch. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't realise what he's gone through. I mean, his, his career, he's had a great career. Amazing played career. United, won the, won the league, won the FA mm-hmm. Cup, and then depression kicks in. Mm-hmm. And you just don't realise... You don't realise... When that front door closes, what actually happens? You don't. It's a lesson to everyone too, isn't it? It is. Absolutely. Absolutely. And anybody out there right now should take heed of what what Mm -hmm. Roy said, that there are people out there to talk to. Yeah, just asking someone if they're okay. And I think there is a stigma, I think, in footballers can't be affected. You know, it's, it's starting to change, isn't it? But in Roy's day, it probably was quite like that, whereas now people are... Talking about it more, talking about mental yeah. awareness. I think. Do you know what, Helen? I think. I think. Back in when I were playing, there was probably a little bit of a macho thing that you don't yeah. want to speak about it. Um, but now it's become more aware, mm-hmm. and people look at you. Not, not maybe not so much me now, but people look at footballers now and think they've got everything. Mm-hmm. Just because they've got money doesn't mean they have, they don't have problems. No. And sometimes it can be the totally the opposite. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, Roy touched on it. You know, you can have everything, but once you're in that that spiral, it can only go one way. But mm-hmm. thankfully for Roy, he's come out of it the, the right end. Turned it around absolutely incredibly. Absolutely. Incredible story, great podcast. Really, really enjoyed that one. Yeah. Maisie, we'll actually do some emails. And the first one is from Dylan Hyde. To David, Helen and Sam, I just want you all to know that your podcast is helping me massively as the last three weeks has been the most horrible moment of my life and that my girlfriend sadly passed away and my mind isn't there anymore. But listening to the podcasts when I'm alone at night, it's helping me keep seeing the best ones with Brian Robson and especially Lou McCary when Lou talks about Ollie scoring that goal through a dark time. Well, I want you to know that you guys are helping me. Thank you so much. I'm from Manchester and supported Man United for the 27 years of my life. Please keep up this good work. Thank you so much. And that's from Dylan Hyde. I'm not sure whether he actually wants us to say his name, but thank you so, so much. And for somebody like Dylan listening to that Roy Carroll podcast, yeah. you know, there is help out there. People need to talk. Of course they do. Dylan, 
pick up the phone to uh, to if you are depressed or whatever it is, pick up the phone, mate, mm-hmm. because um, there are people there. Mm-hmm. We're there. Thank you so much indeed. And Nick Leach says, Hi team, a quick question. After listening to the Matic episode, I am left wondering, who loves golf more, Maisie or Bale? <laughs> <laughs> Who's got the best hair? Definitely you, Maisie. Um, who loves golf more, you or Gareth Bale? I would definitely say you. I love my golf. I'm, I'm retired. I mean, if I'm still playing football, I'll have to be still at Bangatti with the football. So yeah. Did you play golf that much when you were playing football? No, we weren't allowed. What? The gaffer found out. We weren't allowed. The gaffer, the gaffer found out we were playing golf. He'd find you week's wage. Teddy and Yorkie got so many times, got fined so many times playing golf. Even though you, you know, you you could go around, go around on buggies. The fact that you're actually being strenuous on a golf course, the gaffer hated it. Hated oh, it. I did not know that. And it doesn't help, and kiddos at my club as well so I couldn't really get away with it Mm. Um, one more then just to finish Kyle Squire says hello Helen Maisie and Sam I'm a lifelong United fan originally from Manchester but currently living in America I only started listening to the podcast recently but I am absolutely hooked and it helps me to stay connected to the club from a distance my favourite so far was with Albert Morgan I loved hearing how important he was to Sir Alex the players and the club for doing much much more than what fitted his job description. I also loved hearing all his stories from a different perspective than the players. I'd love to hear Rod Thornley on the podcast because I got to meet him and have a chat in a bar in Philadelphia when United thrashed Chelsea 4-0 at the beginning of last season. He had some amazing stories about his time as the United and England physio and massage therapist. We could even get to the bottom of what happened with Helen's bike as well. I know. Still have not got a new bike. I actually said to Johnny this week, we're going to go and buy some bikes miss that bike keep up the good work with the podcast and stay safe and that is from Kyle thank you so much indeed for all of your emails Um, that was it for another week thank you if you made it all the way to the end remember if you want to get in touch you can email us at unitedpodcast at manunited.co.uk that address is in the notes for this episode if you need it also a reminder that you can watch the box set of all our episodes of the united podcast on mutv with new episodes airing every friday we will talk to you again next week Maisie, bye-bye take care mate